the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Always look forward to my second. Well, I look forward to every hour. You know, I just am. I do. But I always look forward to Brandon Weikert joining us as he does every second hour of our Mondays. He, of course, is the publisher of the Weikert Report and author of one of the great books of the year, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, Hard at Work on a New Book on Foreign Policy. We have a lot to talk about. Brandon, happy Monday. Happy Monday. How are you? Good. Uh, breaking news, by the way, if you hadn't seen it, William Barr is resigning as attorney general. Yes, I just saw that. Yeah. yeah. Any yeah. any comment you have on that? Um, you know, it's the end of the administration right yeah. now, so I really don't think that that's really going to do anything. Yeah. Um, I remember two years ago, a very prominent conservative radio person went off on me behind the, at a closed meeting when I had suggested that I don't think Barr is going to be the kind of hero the right thought he was going to be. He's an institutionalist. It looks like, unfortunately, I I was right. Um, you know, it's you know, th- I think the right was really hoping that that someone like Barr would come in and basically eviscerate the so-called deep state, uh, what I like to call the administrative state. But um, he he was very clear from the beginning that that's not what he was there to do. He was he was going to do what he thought was necessary within the parameters of the institution. And so, you know, the, the people that were thinking that he was going to go in there and get everybody that was responsible for Russia collusion, uh, as I was warning two years ago, unfortunately, it just it wasn't going to happen with him. He's not that he wasn't that person. Let me ask you a question, because you did what I did, sort of. <clears throat> you grew up not in Washington, did some things. <laughs> right went to Washington, worked in Washington, then left Washington. That's what I did. Um, I know what this deep state is. You know what the deep state is. We've seen it in various uh, guises. Is it slayable? Is it tameable? Could there have been an attorney general who did something more uh, about it or for that? You know, I asked a friend of mine said to me the other day, smart friend, really smart friend said, you know, Jeff Sessions was the first AG and, you know, a greater Trump supporter we thought we could not find. First senator right. to endorse Trump and all that. Turns out he He's can't. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. Though. And, and a good guy. But it turns out, you know, he kind of crudded out. Um, yeah. can, can, can the deep state be is, – is, can personnel be policy when it comes to that direction? Yeah. You've just got to hire people that – frankly, are like us, who were inside and then left and sort of know the players and the game, but we're not maybe invested in it the way that the uh, John Brennans and Comings of the world are. You see your friend uh, they, Susan Rice is going back in, this time as domestic <laughs> policy advisor. So she gets to mess up domestic yeah. policy. She already messed up foreign policy. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of progressives are very upset with her pick. Uh, because they don't like the Obama era, right. um, you know, policies in the Middle East that right. she was a part of, right. and so killing people, as a, espionage as a quick, on Americans yes. and killing people. Yeah. Yes, and as a quick note, a quick sidebar, 
Um, the Republican Party may be a smoldering disaster right now. Um, it will probably be for the foreseeable future. The Democrats are entering into a protracted period of civil war. You think? And um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, the, the, this you, the, they're the dog that caught the car. So from the minute that Biden gets sworn in, the progressive young wing, the young guns, if we can use that term, of the Democratic Party are going to be basically at war uh, with the sort of established neoliberal old-time sort of Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer wing. And, oh, by the way, there's also going to be a very high degree of power struggles within the White House, notably between the Kamala Harris wing and the Joe and Dr. Jill Biden uh, uh, wing, because the Biden wing is very aware that there is, however small, a real push uh, to eventually displace Biden as president and replace him with the uh, the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris. So you're going to have a lot of the, the Democrats' greatest nightmare actually may have been that they, they won the presidency, but it's going to bring out a lot of the internal fissures uh, that are insurmountable uh, within the Democratic Party. And this will be compounded by the fact that the Republicans are going to be so anemic over the next year uh, that the Democrats are going to have no one else to fight but each other. And so it's going to be a very interesting next couple of years. You and I, Brandon Weikert, don't disagree very often. And when we do, I fear you're probably right and I'm wrong. But just for the marker, can I issue a mild possible disagreement yeah. with you? Yeah. I don't know how much of that division is cosmetic and how much is real to wit i am not so sure there's that much daylight between what john Kerry and nancy pelosi actually believe and what aoc believes i think there might be again you're probably right and i'm probably wrong i'm just stating a, a counter thesis that you can yeah respond to I think there might be questions of verbiage. I think there might be questions of timing. But I honestly think that the entire whoop of the warp and woof of the Democratic Party is pretty much right somewhere between AOC and Bernie Sanders. I really do. You can tell me I'm wrong. Um, I think the base is. Uh, I think you're right about the base, and certainly the younger ones, like the like people. I mean, they're my age, so like AOC or like Rashida Tlaib. But if you look at them, they're still too green. They don't have enough uh, power yet within the institution of Congress to be able to affect the things that they want to. This is why now you have people like Jimmy Dore, who's very far radical, Bernie, you know, yep. farther than Bernie, yeah. uh, going to war against the Young Turks crowd and going to war against AOC right now. There's a very serious flame war happening on the far left of the party, in and amongst the far leftists. They're balkanizing. Uh, and it's because while they may generally agree on the ideology, it's the application that they're disagreeing on. And that's very critical because now they have the power, you know, if they, if they can't win the Senate, which we'll see, uh, it's a different story. But in their minds, they've already proceeded and won the Senate. 
and you can already see the divisions and the fissures arising because of that assumption. And if you take that assumption a step further and you see these divisions happening even on the far left, you realize that the Democrats, there, there's going to be divisions between the activists, and then there's also going to be divisions between the activists and the establishment, because the Nancy Pelosi's and Chuck Schumer's, they may agree with some of the ideology, but they have their special interests, and they're entrenched with sort of this neoliberal uh, you know, worldview where they have to pay felty or swarfelty swar to the Wall Street crowd, to the moneyed interests who do not want the AOC side of things, at least not yet. Yeah. And so you're going to have this very real division on metrics and application on the left, and it's going to be a very real power battle. Okay. And um, it, it's going to be significant, Okay, I think. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll watch it. I mean, I, I think your thesis is more than credible. I just... You know, I've just had this thought watching it for a while. You know, I don't know. Uh, I'll just say one last thing. And again, you can counter it. I, I don't know that Joe Biden actually has a perspective. Um, I think he's probably the victim of the last person he talks to, is my guess. Which is what they said about Trump, if you remember. Did um, they Did they say that about Trump? That That was one of the Washington Post democracy dies in darkness uh, headlines. Is that he's beholden to the person he last spoke with? Um, I don't. I don't know that I, I buy it about. I don't Trump. buy that about him, but I just think that's interesting. I think it's that, true about know, Biden, and I don't think it's true about Trump. Well, I do, but I also think that there's something to remember. I think that when Biden, you know, has eaten his Wheaties for the day. Uh, I think that he's already getting in hot water because he got caught on the phone with Mitch McConnell yeah. promising yeah. him that, hey, I want you to win because I want to have a more moderate approach to governing. Yeah. I don't want to be beholden. Yeah. And if you lose the Senate, I'm going to have no choice but to march in lockstep with the crazy. Yeah. And uh, so I think there are real divisions. OK, there. you're right. I think I think generally, though, you're right. Yes, they put on a more united front. And when they're confronted by the Republican Party, as they were by Donald Trump-led Republican Party over the last four years, they unite. Uh -huh. But once that threat is perceived to be gone, they turn on each other. They're like the dog that caught the car. I'm with you. That's a good metaphor. Um, let me do this. I have to take a quick break. You had a great piece yeah. in the Washington Times just today Thank about you. China. And, you bet. China and the virus. Can we talk about that when we come back? And I also want to talk Absolutely. to you about Eric Swalwell. Yes. Hunter Biden is his new best friend, I think, because <laughs> it took Eric off the headlines. So is Xi Jinping. Yeah. It's still the same genus just a different species we'll be right back with brandon weikert he is the publisher of the weikert report and author of winning space how america remains a superpower one of the great books of the year we'll be right back We all need a little more Beach Boys, don't we? Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delighted to have Brandon Weikert with us as we do every Monday. Foreign policy expert, author of one of the great books of the year, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Uh, Brandon, I have so much I want to do with you. Let's start with your Washington Times op-ed today titled China Weaponized COVID-19 Against America. Walk us through it, brother. Yeah, so basically, uh, you know, there's some debate among the intelligence circles as to whether or not COVID itself came from a lab in Wuhan. I, I basically, for the sake of my own kind of sanity, I avoided that part of the story and fixated on what we know for sure, 
And here's what we know. We know that at the very minimum, by December last year, that China knew about COVID-19. I think they knew earlier because now the Red Cross has done these blood sample tests on samples taken from October and November of 2019, in which they found the antibody markers in 2% of the vials, indicating that the disease had been spread well before that. Now, my theory is this, that China knew about it earlier than they said they knew about it, which was toward the middle of January. Uh, They let international travel continue to and from, specifically Wuhan, which is the city where where the outbreak occurred, uh, and they shut down travel within China to Wuhan, but they still let international travel go on. What I think happened was China knew this thing was on their hands. They didn't have a cure. They didn't know how to handle it. They didn't want to admit because this was in the throes of the trade war. This was in the throes of them looking bad because of Hong Kong. Everyone was anti-China, getting anti-China at that point. And so what they figured was this thing is going to cripple us economically at a critical time. It could wipe out Xi Jinping's reign. So what we're going to do is we're going to let it spread and we're going to let it basically level the playing field internationally. Because if we're going to go down, darn it, we're going to take as many of our enemies, including America, down with us and force them to play on our level. And that is precisely what has happened ever since COVID showed up here. The, the basically the, the, the Trump administration was over. Uh, the, ever since COVID showed up here, uh, the more the most draconian uh, measures of government were uh, instituted. Uh, Americans stopped being the people of hope and freedom and became the people of fear and, uh, uh, you know, being locked down. Uh, and we've lost 200,000 people and counting. Um, th- this is, this is a, as a Marine Corps intelligence officer said to me about a month ago on one of my briefings, he said, Brandon, to me, this looks like a biological Pearl Harbor. And if that's the case, in my opinion, this is me speaking now, in my opinion, uh, this Pearl Harbor did the exact opposite of the last Pearl Harbor, whereas the Pearl Harbor that Japan did, did on us united us, got us together on the same page. We were one, and we punched back with great vigor and won. Uh, in this case, the biological Pearl Harbor exacerbated the divides, overthrew the political order here, and very well could lead to the, 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 the defeat of the United States, because now the rest of the world knows we don't recognize attacks when we get attacked, and we won't respond, and we'll turn on each other. So that now enemies like China and Russia are going to try to figure out how can they weaponize another crisis and use it to break us. So you've said a lot there that has me <laughs> wanting to respond with a few thoughts uh, culturally, sociologically, yeah. that our enemies, perhaps first the Soviet – well, first – Japan and Germany, then the Soviet Union, then um, Al-Qaeda, continually underestimated us. You know, Churchill wrote in his diaries after Pearl Harbor that people were saying America will fold, America will crumble, but he knew that wouldn't be the case because he studied the Civil War and America is a giant boiler. Um, Throughout the Cold War, you heard from the Soviet Union that the West was weak and didn't have the stomach to fight. Um, Of course, bin Laden had all those statements about uh, how we would leave, uh, we would leave them alone just as we left in Beirut, just as we 
fled from Somalia. All of the right. all of them underestimated us. I mean, Churchill didn't, but he responded to those underestimating us. Right. The Pearl Harbor that you speak of. Now, China did something interesting. It um, when did uh, hundreds of thousands of students through our university campuses over the last several decades, uh, millions actually, about three hundred thousand a year now, I think. Um, they got to know us pretty well, and America changed. Yeah. America changed in 19 yeah. years, I think. Yeah. America changed yeah. from 9-11 to, na- to yeah. what they see now, and I think China yeah. got that. What say you? Yeah. I think China was in the background, and this connects to what you want to talk about next, which yeah. is Swalwell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think, yeah. I think that China, China studied us like the Martians in War of the World. They okay. studied us. Yeah. They were a cold and calculating intelligence that studied us like we were in a petri dish from afar. Right. And after spending decades taking all of the lessons they learned from us, they are now applying it in real time, and they are implementing a robust strategy of displacement and ultimate dominance over the United States. And the United States is completely blinkered right now because we are so obsessed, you know, in a set. How much did the right-wing media spend obsessing about social media censorship? Yeah, fair amount, yeah, including it's an, me. It's an important, yeah. it's an important, so did I, it's yeah. an important topic. Yeah. When you look back on the last year, what's the biggest story? COVID. Mm-hmm. And what, what is the biggest issue about COVID? It's origins. Yep. We don't know when it began, yep. why it began, yep. how it began. We yep. know where it began, and we, and we dare not speak its name. It began in China. Normally, we would call these diseases by the city that they originated in. We're not even allowed to say it was the Wuhan flu. We're not allowed to. It's, for, it's verboten in today's political discourse. I have been barred from a major U.S. military installation because I dared to mention to the colonel there my opinion that this, this was probably a manufactured disease based on the genetic samples that we were looking at at the time. I have since spoken to a senior biological warfare expert at the Pentagon who says that everybody at the Pentagon just assumes this is a weaponized disease, but they're not allowed to talk about the origin because they're worried it might prompt a military response that we are not prepared to handle because we are not in a position that we were even in on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Our industrial capacity has been so gutted, and our people have been so blinkered by liberalism and progressivism that the martial prowess of this country, the latent martial prowess of this country, has been completely woke, worked out of us. We don't, we're not like we were 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. We, weren't, we, we don't have that latent ability anymore. It's all superficial. We're a Pachemkin village. And the Chinese or the Russians or even the Iranians are getting ready, I think, to tempt and to test that image. And they and do I that they do, as they do with new presidents. That's a great phrase, yeah. martial prowess. Let me, um, let me take the break and come back. Let's pick up on that and move into Swalwell, yeah? Yeah. Thank you, Brandon Weicker. We're talking to Brandon Weicker. Happy to take your calls, too. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I want you, if you haven't already, to check out Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in capsule form. It's what I take every single day. If I'm traveling, it's the first thing I pack to make sure I have with me. All organic, the fruits and veggies picked at the peak of ripeness, all third-party tested for 
impurities. It's a great product with the most powerful of stuff. Mangoes, apples, bananas, blueberries. Gives you energy. It improves your health. It boosts your immunity. Fabulous, fabulous product. And they have a great deal right now offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800 2468751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You can also give it as a gift, the gift of health. Brandon Weikert is our guest and uh, foreign policy expert, author of one of the great books of the year, of course, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon, tell us about the import of this Eric Swalwell story. Well, it's, uh, it's the tip of the iceberg. Um, it, it is uh, an example of how broken and corrupt our political system has become. It is yet another example of that which I was speaking about before the break, which is how the Chinese have studied us from afar for very long, and they have figured out which makes us tick, and they've figured out that greed is good here, and if you throw enough money, and in this case enough, you know, somewhat attractive women at these at these these very depraved human beings that we call our political leaders, uh, they will most of the time basically do whatever you want them to do, and for very little. I read um, I read a very disturbing post on Facebook. Somebody had written, and I don't remember who had written it, or even if they would want public credit, but one of my Facebook friends had written, uh, China is doing to America what the Europeans did to the Native Americans by tricking them with with trinkets, you know, buying Manhattan for some beads in their pocket. Well, it's the same thing on a larger scale. China is buying our our uh, what they think are our most promising leaders uh, at a very early stage in their career from both parties, by the way. It isn't just the Democrats. And they are uh, manipulating them and co-opting them. And by the way, um, I recommend everybody go to YouTube and look up the last year's worth of special reports that the ABC version of 60 Minutes has done. They have done some phenomenal reporting on what the Chinese have been doing trying to get members of Australia's parliament elected who they think would be, who they think would be beneficial to their interests. And they're doing the same thing over here now, maybe not as well as what they're doing in Australia, but basically they've been practicing on the Aussies for years. And now they're starting in the last five to seven years, they're starting to really do that here because they know the next 15 or 10 years are going to be make or break for whether China can not only survive the changes that are occurring in the world, but come to dominate at America's expense. And they're going to want their people in the right places of power in our open society so that they can manipulate and weaken us from within as a fifth column. Do you do you think um, anyone cares? I mean, I've cared for a long time, and I know you care. And there's you, you, you and I can name ten people who care. But do people really care? Do they care about what's going on in in uh, Xinjiang territory or the yeah. <coughs> province of uh, of, right. of slavery? Do they care yeah. about <coughs> the yeah. um, the requirements of social media companies in America to work there? Do they care about Anything having to do with China the way we do? No, no. And, uh, it, you know, we talked about this before, but it was very telling. Neither neither candidate in this last election really talked much about foreign policy. 
And that's because Americans traditionally don't care about foreign policy until the crisis hits us here. I've learned the problem that. Yeah, is, I've learned that. The, the, problem, yeah. the problem is, is with today's hyper-technological, interconnected world, the globalized system, for better or worse, it's what we've got. Uh, and guess what? We can't wait anymore for the crisis to reach our shores because the crisis is not going to come in the form of Japanese warplanes bombing battleships. It's not even going to come in the form of American airplanes that have been hijacked crashing into our greatest cities and buildings. It's going to come in, a, in the realm of, in the ethereal realm of ones and zeros. It's going to come in the form of a biological crisis. It's going to come in the form of missile attacks or uh, co-orbital satellite attacks directed against our very vulnerable, highly critical satellite systems that we don't even know really exist hold, above hold, our heads. Hold it right there. That's 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 important, and we have calls for you. Brandon Weikert, we'll be sure. right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you're thinking about selling a house, if you're looking to buy a house, you want my friend James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. <clears throat> he is the only realtor in Scottsdale with over 500 five-star reviews. That's unheard of. <laughs> 500 five-star reviews. You can check it out yourself. He guarantees to sell your home at market value or he'll pay the difference. He can also make you an upfront guarantee to offer on your home within 24 hours, and you won't leave any money on the table with James. Give him a call, James Wexler, at 480-386-0711, or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's jameswexler.com. Our guest is Brandon Weicker. Brandon, we got a bunch of calls coming in. You want to take a couple? Okay. Let's yeah. do it. Let's yeah. go to Chris in Phoenix. Chris, you're on with Brandon Weicker. Hi, Chris. Can you, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, I was walking across the room. Um, this is a topic that I've studied for a long, long, long time, going all the way back to a book written uh, by Carol Quigley called Tragedy and Hope. You may be aware of it. But um, most recently, I read a book called Unrestricted Warfare. And I actually found it in a yard sale for a book. Let's get and to a I question quick, Chris, because I have limited well, time with our guest. This is this this whole thing is absolutely warfare against the United States. Now, they don't believe that they can go up against us militarily, so they're going to use every other way that they possibly can. Do you agree with that, Brandon? Yes. Yes. Go yes, ahead. Yes, one hundred percent. This is the basis of unrestricted warfare. Um, this is what they've learned because they realized in 1991 when we went thundering in, into Kuwait uh, with our highly technological military uh, that the Chinese military was nowhere near a match for the United States. They learned the lesson again during the 96 Taiwan Strait crisis where after they had basically ramped up their whole military to possibly invade Taiwan during those very controversial elections, we sailed two uh, aircraft carriers to the Taiwan Strait and basically said, hey, look, if you do anything more to Taiwan with two ships, we can basically decimate your entire country. And so what they spent from that point on was retailing their entire military, but also their strategic thought process 
to look at war as a holistic operation. And actually that physical army or military-to-military confrontation, direct confrontation that we're used to uh, over here is not the best way to fight and win a war. The best way to fight and win a war is to make sure your enemy doesn't even know the war is on. And better yet, to make sure your enemy is so cowed and blinkered by all these other issues that they don't even recognize that you are the enemy. And this is sort of the um, the little finger approach uh, from Game of Thrones, the character Littlefinger. This is sort of how he went about trying to become the king in the Game of Thrones, as he manipulated everyone against each other, and they never even knew that he was a real threat until it was almost too late. And so this is a very similar operation to how China's looking at this. Uh, the next Cold War, which we're already in with China, is not going to look like the last Cold War. In fact, there's going to be many hot parts to it. And those hot parts are where the contest is going to be decided. And my fear is they figured us out so well that the, the, the decision-making and that the, 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 you know, the winner will already have been decided before any real conflict initiates. Brandon, kind of on that, I have an email from a listener. It's, I'll, I'll read it to you. It seems that the Chinese have built on the extensive subversion started by the USSR. Should we measure it as orders of magnitude greater than that of the USSR? In order to care, people must be aware. How many people are aware of the USSR's disinformation and subversion activities? Is the level of awareness of the Chinese program smaller given the active suppression of information? Uh, it's, it, I would argue your entire audience should pick up Diana West's great book, The American Betrayal. And she was basically blacklisted. I think she lost her spot at Hoover uh, or Heritage for writing it. Uh, and basically it was a deep dive well-researched assessment on the Soviet penetration into the United States, which she found was heartbreaking. Uh, and uh, basically, we never addressed the problem, and the problem proliferated. Uh, if it wasn't for the internal contradictions of the Soviet Union and Reagan defying the system here, we would have never had a victory over the Soviet Union, and the Cold War would have continued on in perpetuity. Uh, similarly, we are ignorant to the Chinese threat, which is, yes, very similar to the way the Soviets were using subversion. They are doing the same to us, only now they have a lot more money, and unlike the Soviets, the Chinese are integral members of the world economy, and that isn't going to change anytime soon. So... They, they have these capabilities that uh, even the Soviets didn't have. There seems to be a PR problem of sorts, and that's probably putting it too crudely, um, and it's maybe just my perception, but it does seem in retrospect when looking at the USSR versus uh, then versus China today, China has a much better uh, rating in international public yes. opinion than the USSR did, making it all the harder to counter them, even at the diplomatic levels, it seems. Yes, and at this point, it may already be too late. Um, I, I just, the next the next couple of years are going to be very, I think, informative on, on how well we can manage uh, rebuffing uh, China. I noticed that uh, Biden is looking at nominating, I think, for the U.S. trade representative, a very serious China hawk. Um, so that's a positive. Um, I, you know, I don't know, though, because this administration has promised, the new administration has promised to basically reset relations and sort of be more predictable and play nicer with China. And I argue the exact opposite is needed, because all we have now is hard military power and unpredictability. We've got to make bold moves 
that the Chinese can't anticipate and are too afraid to respond to in the near term. And I don't know if we've elected uh, a president who can do that. And if we don't do it soon, including possibly sinking these Chinese ships that are uh, harassing the South China Sea and trying to harass Taiwan in preparation for a Taiwan attack, if we don't do something drastic and, yes, risk a war with China now, the Chinese are going to take the world quietly. They're going to make the board. They're going to assimilate the whole world. Uh, they're going to, as David Goldman says, they're going to sinoform the world, and they may already be doing it, and it may already be too late. Um, and they're using a lot of the same tools, only with better technology and better results, that the old Soviets were doing here with subversion and with columnist activity. And oh, by the way, the politicians here have been bought and paid for by China or by China proxies, uh, state-owned entities or corporate entities that have business dealings in China and don't want to rock that boat too quickly. And that's what we're faced up against. I don't know how we fix it um, without taking a bold, drastic action in the hard military realm very soon to send a message to China that it's not going to be that easy. And if we don't do something drastic and considerable, uh, we're going to be we're going to we're going to become a resource colony for the new Chinese. Might, might, might you game out or tell us a couple of those thoughts when we come back? Or yeah, yeah that would be great. With our concluding thoughts from Brandon Weikert. Uh, we will be right back. <clears throat> Doug, Mike, don't go away. We'll get to you as well. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon, it's been a delight. Brandon Weicker, delight having you. Before uh, we finish, uh, a listener calls in asking us. I, I love the the, uh, the literate interest. Asks, what books you recommend for people to get up to speed on what you're talking about. Of course, your book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, deals a lot with this. Others you think worth reading? Uh, definitely my book. I know you just said it, but yep. Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Also, David P. Goldman, a P as in Peter. Uh, he has a new book. I know Claremont's been promoting it. Uh, it's called uh, You Will Be Assimilated, uh, uh, China's Plan to Sinoform the World. Um, Gordon Chang's books, uh, anything by Gordon Chang on this issue. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Peter Navarro, who's the current White House trade representative, or he's the White House trade. Have you seen anything from, have you seen anything? There was a guy, I haven't seen much from him in a long time. Arthur Waldron out of the University of Pennsylvania. Whatever happened to him? He's still around. He he does John Bachelor's show. Good, um, you good. know, I, I I do that show too occasionally. Um, any Arthur Waldron, W A L D as in David, R O N as in Ned. Um, he book him up. He's got great. He's the premier expert. Good. I was fortunate enough to study under one of his students good. in my master's program. Good. And then lastly, I would probably say uh, Michael Pillsbury's book, uh, The Hundred Year Marathon. Uh, that's one to look into. And that's just off the top of my head. Good. If you, you know, That'll keep you busy. Those are, yeah. Yes, yes. That'll keep you busy through Christmas anyway. Yes. When you talk about a coming conflict with China, is it direct or is it satellite? It's going to be an a la carte approach. Okay. It's going to be like boiling frogs, as the old cliche goes. You put them in the water, slowly boil, so they don't jump out. So basically, you know, they hit us with... Uh, one of these unconventional attacks, like a bio threat. Again, maybe they didn't manufacture the disease itself, but they certainly used it when they realized its severity 
and they saw what it could do to an open society, they used it to keep us back mm-hmm. uh, and, and to keep us hemmed in so that they could then leapfrog ahead of us, which they're starting to do. Um, they're, you're going to see it where the application of quantum technology to basically remove America's signals intelligence uh, superiority, quantum computing will be able to basically make our entire SIGINT capability irrelevant if they can build it out the way they want to, and I think they can. Uh, they're going to then proceed up the ladder, and they're going to hit us in unconventional ways. Yes, satellite attacks. They're going to do cyber attacks. They're going to do cyber attacks that we don't even recognize yeah, as cyber attacks. Right, 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 um, right. We won't influence even Influence operation, we info war, all that. And then, then the hard war will start. Got it. Brandon Weikert, always a delight, always smart, always educational and informative. His book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Bless you, Brandon. We'll talk next week. Thank you. Talk to you later. God bless. Bye-bye.